being brown. I'm Karan, your host. And today we're actually joined by a, a very special guest. Um, I mean, all, all our guests are special, obviously, but um, today we're joined by Birmingham-based clinical psychologist, Dr. Tina Mystery, who is actually my sister-in-law also. So, yeah. hi, Tina. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Hello, Karan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to um, be on this podcast. Um, thank you. So I guess we can we can start off with kind of what do you tell us about what you do and and why you do it? Okay, so um, as you mentioned, I'm a clinical psychologist. For both, for those people that don't know what that is, uh, it's somebody who has uh, studied a, a degree in psychology, so a bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, and then gone on to do further studying within clinical psychology, which is traditionally seen as um, kind of the severe end of mental health. So you're talking kind of, you know, severe anxiety, severe mm. depression. So we're, traditionally we were we were um, funded and traditionally worked in the NHS. Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of saw everything across the spectrum from bipolar to schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. um, we work with brain injury. We work with, um, you know, children, CAMS, child mm. and adolescent stuff, um, older adults, dementia as mm. well. So you'll find clinical psychologists in the NHS traditionally working um, across all different spectrums. But now I've kind of taken the plunge to leave the NHS mm. um, and I've gone fully private since um, kind of 2015. Mm. Um, so I work in an independent practice, uh, which is called Therapy Sense. Um, we predominantly see adults, um, so 18 and over. Um, and most of our referrals, I would say, are kind of um, referrals f uh, along the lines of anxiety, depression, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So things like um, road traffic accidents, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so you, it's like you kind of, kind of all across the whole, there's no limit to kind of what? Yeah, yes and no. I think that's the tricky part, isn't it? Um, you know, I could turn around and say, yeah, I could see and treat pretty much everything. But I think yeah. that would be mis-selling mm. what I do. So I would say most of my, my bread and butter is anxiety mm. and depression, I think. They're the most common sort of mental health mm -hmm. difficulties that people present with. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. Um, and that's what I feel mo most comfortable working with. And also trauma is is okay. the big thing that I'm massively passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's me. Okay. So I guess uh, it's kind of important as well. So you... you um, kind of recently had a epiphany, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, uh, and you kind of, is it, it was a brand new Instagram account, is that correct? Um, so I kind of just rebranded my name. Yeah. So um, I originally was on Instagram just as Dr. Tina Mystery. Yeah. Um, and after sort of listening to your podcast, mm. Um, and listen to your dad in yeah. particular, just talking about so he's brilliant, and yeah. you know I, I could sit and listen to him for days. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it just, I think it just reminded me of why why did I get into mm. um, psychology in the first place, mm. and it it just kind of reminded me that um, to create that connection between who I am, mm. you know, British, Asian, Indian, Gujarati mm. woman, um, and 
try and connect that to what I what I now understand about mental health and psychology and the wider um, kind of components that impact that. Mm. So, yeah, I kind of, I kind of wanted to join those dots together and start a dialogue to help people who may not study psychology, may not have had counselling, mm. or may not even understand what um, you know mental health or emotional well-being. What what are what is that, and how do we um, talk about that yep. from a uh, culture? Um, yeah, from, from our culture in particular, I think mm. that's what I wanted to, yeah, start to think about. Because there's, there's, there's a very big, and we were kind of discussing this before we started recording, was that there's a big stigma in, in our, amongst our, not just our, our, you know, Indian community, but I guess communities, a lot of communities, but there's a big stigma in communities where people of colour exist, like the the idea of having, uh, I don't know if you want to call it, is it therapy or yeah, 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 just yeah, having therapy yeah. and you know, the idea that if you have therapy, that there's actually something wrong with you or you're crazy or something like this. I mean, I, I remember when I first, um, I started doing kind of group therapy, I, mm. I guess it was called. And I remember talk to, talking to my parents about it. And my, the first thing my dad, my dad was brought up in England. Like you've, you've listened to the, the mm. that episode. For someone like my dad saying, no, you, you're fine. You don't need that. It's, it's such an interesting concept to me. And it's something that they haven't kind of been educated and so it's not really their fault but no. it's I guess what you're doing is brilliant because you're trying to educate almost the adults um, across all generations really to try and change their mindset about what therapy really is mm. um, I don't know so what kind of how have you kind of navigated through that I'll say it's a work in progress <laughs> I'm gonna lie it's very much in its infancy as to um, where where I'm at but what I think what the the aim of it is is to almost incorporate um, what we know about psychology and mental health treatments and talking talking therapy treatments and translate that to to kind of the communities that may not have naturally or traditionally accessed accessed um those ways of working mm. and i think what a lot of um what's kind of happening in the um literature or, or kind of the research world is that we're no longer just seeing the mind as this isolated thing yeah we are connecting the dots to say right the mind and it's actually connected to the whole of the body yeah yeah so the concept of um, bringing in yoga mm. and um, psychology, they literally, it's like a marriage. Yeah. It, it works. Yeah. And this, this is where I think it's going to really start to hit home for a lot of people who may not have traditionally thought, okay, I need to go and see a psychologist or a therapist. Um, so... It, it, it's kind of like we, we're trying to use lots of different methods rather than just talking because not mm. talking isn't everyone's forte no. some people will want to um exercise or some people will want to um i don't know meditate yeah. which is obviously the big thing at the moment mm. some people will want to write mm. journaling um and you can do this all with um a, a psychologist or a therapist or a counselor mm. So incorporating more than just, you know, doing psychoanalysis, mm -hmm. you, you're doing more than that. Mm. 
So yeah, yeah, it's kind of it, it's quite exciting time in in the world of psychology because we're we're, we're opening our eyes a mm. bit more to the more Eastern philosophies. So mm. Buddhism has had a massive impact on um, a lot of the talking therapies mm. that we are now using yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Um, so it's no longer just it's in your head. Yeah. Yeah. What what they're what you know, Buddhism talks about is the idea of acceptance, the idea of compassion, mm. the idea of, of, you know, it's not your fault, mm. what has happened to you. So we're taking into account people's histories, cultures, yeah. contexts, um, societies, politics is even involved in all of this. So this is it, so much bigger than just that one person yeah. and you're the problem, yeah. you know. Um, it's a, it's about trying to understand people's systems and worlds. Yeah. So that that's kind of why it's it just makes so much sense to um, somehow um, get this across to people that it's more than just you. So how would you kind of I guess it's it's a very not having so much experience with stuff like this is kind of trying to get it communicated with people who don't quite understand it. How would you approach something like that? It's, it's really difficult. Yeah. So I think this is where engaging in communities and what we would call community psychology at a kind of grassroots level would be really important. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, you know, as soon as you put the word mental health, people shut down, don't mm -hmm. they? So I think... It's really about well-being and encouraging mm. well-being and about prevention mm. rather than cure. Mm. But also at the same time, so it's kind of like a two-pronged kind of yeah. um, way of working, is that give give well-being but also give education yeah. about what's trauma. Yeah. And I think this is the biggest thing that within clinical psychology anyway, it's taken a massive shift mm. in that we are, we are challenging the way um, mental health has been treated hmm. so what in the nhs i would say that mental health is you know uh, medically or psychiatry led yeah so we were just having this discussion about when people go to the gp what are they offered yeah yeah antidepressants yeah. or anti-anxiety medication yeah. so this is we're challenging that we're saying that actually you do not need a pill to fix mm. this what we're saying is that there are lots of other things that you can do mm. including talking including mm -hmm. walking including meditation mm. eating all of this that will help you yeah yeah mm. this isn't you know, and also for, for people to understand that what they are experiencing often isn't their fault. Mm. They are a product of what they're experiencing. Right. Right. So people, you know, I, I kind of find that the, the conversation that we have a lot in the therapy room is about emotions. Mm. And that people fear sadness, mm. uh, anger, mm. anxiety. Mm because they don't actually understand mm. why they experience it in the first place. But yeah. what we know um, is that those emotions are very much part of being human. Mm. You know, a rainbow wouldn't be a rainbow without blue and, <laughs> you know, um, yellow. Yeah. Take those two colours out, it's not a rainbow anymore. Mm. And it's similarly with emotions. You need to experience the rainbow of emotions to fully appreciate yes. the other yeah. colours. Yeah. So... It, you know, it is okay to have rubbish days or yeah. days where you feel a little bit down or you feel really down. Mm. We have to have those days. Mm. And I think this is where the idea of acceptance that comes from Buddhism mm. 
has really changed the way mm. that, you know, we work in the therapy room. So how do you incorporate, so you're kind of talking about the, 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 these principles, I guess, in Buddhism. How do you kind of incorporate that into, into, your, into your work? So um, a lot of the therapeutic approaches that many um, therapists are using now are what we call third wave um, therapies mm. based on cognitive behavioral therapy, okay. which your listeners may have heard of, may yep. have not. Um, so CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is is been around for a, f- a good few years now. So mm. we, we all kind of know it and it seems to be the gold standard mm. mm-hmm. of what people are generally offered yep. when they kind of present in the NHS, let's say. And yeah, it's great. It works for, for a portion of um, a population. Um, but what it lacks in is the idea of um, understanding emotions mm. and thinking about values. So mm. we've got two two types of therapies that are third wave therapies. We've got actually three. We've got mindfulness, yep. which is booming. Yep. You know, it, everyone seems to be um, liking mindfulness or maybe not, but mm. I think it's a, a mixture. Mm. Um, then there is um, acceptance and commitment therapy. Yep. So this is about values, what your beliefs, what do you believe in? Um, what can you um, cope with mm. or kind of what can you bear mm. um, in order for you to fulfil your values? Yeah. It's quite a deep um, type of therapy, yeah, which I think yeah. really works for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then there's compassion-focused therapy, which um, talks really about being able to connect to yourself on a, a level where you are kind mm. And courageous yep. with your feelings and emotions. That's so you, cool. what you would normally do for a friend, yep. how would you do it for yourself? Nice. And you, what you find, nine times out of ten, you, you, you are far more harsher on yourself than you are with your friends. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just a tip, I guess, of, of where things are changing now. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, we'll kind of get into one of the things we were talking about earlier was that, I guess, why you do this and kind of how... Uh, I guess a, a person of colour is benefiting the the other people of colour's community kind of by um, discussing these things where call, I suppose white practitioners mm-hmm. um, trying to approach the same same issues that we're trying to approach. Like how, how why is that so important for, for someone like you to try and approach a topic like this? Like, you know, where a, a, a white person would try to... Uh, I guess articulate what we what we're going through as, as people of color. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because there's nothing that um, compares to actual lived experience. Yeah. Right. So, how do we connect with each other? When we meet somebody, the first thing we try to do is create connections. Mm. I don't know if that's an Indian thing yeah, or yeah, what, but yeah. there is, isn't there? There's something about. Um, trying to reach out to that other person saying, how are you similar to me? Mm-hmm. How have you lived my life? Yep. Or how, in what way have we mm. somehow walked down the same path? Mm-hmm. And I think that this is what allows for that kind of connection is that, yep. that em- empathy, mm-hmm. you know, that real sense of empathy, like she gets it yep. or he gets it. Yeah. Um, so I think being able to now talk about there are specific things that people in the Asian communities experience, mm. have suffered. Um, we need to bring that to the forefront mm. and start to kind of acknowledge yep. um, 
acknowledge it and mm. kind of say, look, this stuff counts, you know, mm. the stuff that your grandma's been through, your yeah. granddad's been through, your parents have been through. Mm. That stuff accumulates and then trickles down and will affect you in some mm. shape or form. Mm. I think I was also inspired by how um, black history has just grained, you know, has, ha has had so much traction. Mm. And I've always questioned myself because I've always thought to myself, if I did a timeline, mm. you know, a family history or something, how far back could I go? Mm. At the moment, I don't know how far back I could go. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that, you know, we have an accountable or traceable mm. history. Mm. And it makes me wonder, why is that? Mm. You know, why is that that if I could go back in time, who would, you know, what, what have my ancestors yeah. been through? Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Mm. And that's slightly worrying, you know, yeah. when you think about it. And I think it's, it's like you were saying the other day, it's, it's the only way we know these things happen is through the accounts of our relatives or, yeah. you know, grandparents or whatever. Yeah. But that's kind of, how do we maintain that? Because yeah, yeah. they're not going to be here one day. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, I, I understand. I think it's trying to, trying to maintain that kind of uh, um, history. And it's, I guess, by practicing what you're doing, yeah. it's a great way to kind of connect with people in a... Yeah. So, so what, you know, what you're, what I feel most, you know, kind of passionate about, and I think is, is the old age therapy, which is yeah. storytelling. Mm. Share, tell our stories, mm. you know, talk about those stories, mm. create, connect the dots start from a beginning middle and end you know you this is this is important stuff that we need to be talking about telling our children mm. um this is where we've come from mm. this is what you know your grandparents have been mm. through so yeah i think it's vital that we acknowledge how we have got here today mm. and it's, it's i think it's great because i think even um, is trying to build that relatability. It's like you said, that's what kind of what we kind of do is yeah. by having these conversations with people of kind of where we've been and where we're going, it's building that rapport with them, building that relationship and reminding ourselves this is where we've come from kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned stuff like some words not existing in... Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, different yeah. languages. Talk a bit about that. So, you know, one thing that as a, as a, tra a trainee psychology, a psychologist um, many years ago, um, I had a supervisor that was interested in culture and, you know, he'd, he'd ask me questions about, so do you have a word for depression mm. or anxiety <laughs> in Gujarati? Yeah. And I really had to think hard. I mean, I'm not a Gujarati expert. Yep. Um, but we don't, mm. you know, and I had to think really hard about the types of words or the sentences that people would use when they feel anxious. Mm. So one of the ones that, you know, we, we talk about is managabraman Yeah. Do you know, yeah. like that actually is what we would class as somatization, okay. you know, it's a somatic experience, a body experience. Yeah. So actually what we know about um, Eastern uh, cultures, or particularly South Asian cultures, is that they use their body to mm. talk mm. Or, ex or, or kind of uh, use their body to experience mm -hmm. distress. Yes, yeah. So this is where yoga... Mm can work yep. you know this is where it actually and you know i can see now why it is so powerful mm. that actually don't have to use words sometimes mm. sometimes it's really about 
using the breath, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mm -hmm. power of that. And there's so much really um, fascinating literature that's emerging about breath and um, how it connects to what this is, the the vagal nerve, they call it, um, which is all linked to your brain Mm. and your mind and the way you think and the way your emotions are connected. So it's all, all of this is connected. Your body, your mind is is so interconnected that just by breathing mm. in a particular way mm. you know longer outward breath versus your inward breath mm-hmm. can shift and change the way your body yep. and your mind is processing um anxiety let's mm. say or trauma yeah it's and it's was what i find really interesting as well is for the longest time i kind of thought yoga was and i, I guess it is just, for some people it very much is it, it was a very spiritual kind of thing but yeah. it's obviously from what you're explaining is there's a there's actually a science there's a ma- the mad science yeah it is it's it's um it's really 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 growing yeah um and there's tons of literature out there from what i'm aware of and i'm no expert in yoga but again i can see the true value in movement breath mind mm-hmm. meditation yeah. all of that it's it's powerful and the fact that you know yoga's what hundreds of years old yeah i don't know i don't know probably it's more yeah more yeah so it, yeah i just I, I can't i can't i guess i can't you can't argue with that that it, it we probably disc i mean i grow i remember growing up discounting yeah what my mom talked about you know you know, eating certain foods and not eating. I used to think, what you're on about? <laughs> Having hardar varadud. Yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. on turmeric lattes now, yeah, know, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> the, it, it, all of this stuff is now being verified by science. Yeah. And this is where it's exciting because now what we can say to the communities that have may have dipped into um, or may, may have used these types of, you know, Ayurveda, yoga, mm. all of that stuff, actually this stuff works mm. and we can prove it. Whereas I think before it was probably just more anecdotal Mm. now we can start to say look we can use this as a a therapy or Mm. a treatment um whilst using other things as well so it's not just you know your your path for um feeling better in yourself Mm. is just medication Mm. it's not because i think the problem with medication is that there is an assumption that there is a biochemical um disruption yeah and yeah there is because it's uh, that's the consequence of whatever you've experienced yes, or yep. you're going through. Um, so there's more than one. Yeah, is what I'm saying. And there's not, you know, we we truly believe that that one size doesn't fit all. No, you have to adapt and you have to um, tailor to to the person that sat in front of you. And that's why I think the more we start to talk about, um, you know, let's say. Uh, what, what did your you know mom do or what did your your grandparents do what have they been through what has helped them what could potentially help you it's got to make sense to the person who's you know um who needs the support or needs the help yeah talk to me about kind of the the if any at the time at this point in time difficulties that you've experienced being a uh, a practitioner who is a, a person of color or what you kind of foresee and I guess along with that, the decision to change your uh, kind of profile to yeah, brown yeah. psychologist. Um, have I experienced any difficulties? I think not overtly. Yeah. Um, I would say that 
psychology in particular is is a Western mm. concept, isn't mm. it? So all of the research that has been done in all of the treatments um, is based on white people. Yeah. So it is designed for them. Mm. Um, so culturally, it fits mm. for them. Mm. Yeah. Um, the concepts I talk about, they re they can relate to. So I've not had any issues as an Indian brown person sat in front of, say, a white person mm. um, and trying to relate to them and mm. try to pass on this, mm -hmm. you know, kind of concepts or, or pass on this knowledge and information. Mm. I talk their language. Mm -hmm. I talk what makes sense yeah, to yeah. them. It gets challenging when you've got, say an Egyptian person right. in front of you who yep. I've worked with, yep. you know, I've, I've worked with black people, yep. I've worked with mixed race people, mm. I've worked with, you know, all different religions, mm. different cultures. And that's when it gets challenging mm. because what you're doing is you are offering them concepts that they might not get straight mm. away. Mm. So this is where analogies and metaphors mm. really do work well. Mm. And this is something that, um, ACT, mm. you know, uh, acceptance, commitment therapy, compassion focused therapy, these kind of third waves uh, therapies are quite good at offering. Mm. Yeah. Um, so going back to your question, why did I decide to do this kind of change? Um, it's, I think, this, it, like I said to you before, it's what I've always wanted to do. Mm. Um it's the reason why I got into psychology. Mm. So for me, um, growing up, I didn't know what anxiety, I didn't know what depression, I didn't, mm. I didn't know these things. Nobody yeah. talked about no. them. Um, and, you know, it, it was this invisible thing that, you know, was around you. You felt things, but nobody ever talked about feelings. Nobody yeah. ever talked about, um, you know, feeling scared and... or feeling sad no, and no. you know you, you just you just it wasn't, a, wasn't thing. a thing yeah and my story is so bizarre I remember I was about 15 or 15 years old and I'd got up on a Saturday morning um and I switched on the television and I think it was BBC two back then or something and Raj Pasord <laughs> the psychiatrist was on there talking about depression mm. and I was mesmerized mm. I was just uh, taken back by this idea that th these this thing mm -hmm. depression yep. happened to people, yeah. and it was, you know, and and this this doctor was talking about it, and I had to understand what was this, what mm -hmm. was he talking about, and then I started to research a bit, like what's psychology, what is mm -hmm. this thing, yeah. and you know, and I thought I'm going to kill two birds with one stone and yeah. become a psychologist and also have a doctor title at the yeah. same time, make mom mom happy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And that was it. Yeah. I was hell bent on on pursuing this thing, mm. um, but also at the same time um, bring it back home. Mm. You know, mm. bring it back home to our culture, to yeah. our to people that you know may not understand it. Yeah. Um, you know, like like things like that. I've always been fascinated about was um, the idea of conflict within yourself so uh, when you are forming your identity mm. during your teenage years mm. most difficult years of anybody's of course, yeah, life yeah. right trying to figure out who am i yeah. okay add to the mix the fact that you're indian yeah. you know um 
and you're living in the UK. Yeah. So British Indian. Mm. Okay. And uh, you have to eat different food to, you know, um, your friends if mm. they're majority white people. Mm. You may wear different clothes at yep. times. You know, there's all of that culture conflict, you know. I was fascinated by that, mm. of how that can really shape somebody mm. and how that can really mess things up yeah, for yeah, people yeah, yeah. as well yeah. you know not knowing who who am i and, yeah, yeah. and the idea of belonging as well is yeah. a massive um kind of interest of mine because having been you know through that yeah, having yeah. lived experience of well okay if i don't belong in this country then where do i belong and it's, having been to india yeah. you don't really belong there either no it's like a confusion of identity like you're you are in a country you don't you, you're not from like essentially yeah. you're, you're, you don't know you know none of us are from here Exactly. And then even when we go to India, like you said... This you are is, an NRI. Yeah, this, is, this isn't me either. Like, what, what, where do I belong kind of thing? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like you said, as a teenager, it's one of the most confusing things trying to understand because you don't have that wherewithal to try and figure out by yourself. So who do you... What do you? What are you yeah, supposed to yeah. do? It's, it's yeah. such a yeah. difficult thing. So okay, we, we, we talked about this yesterday, actually. We, we were saying how, um, you know, you're the title that you've kind of changed your Instagram to, The Brown Psychologist. How mm. do you, do you think that, you know, that, that will be kind of a, a difficult thing for when it comes to, I don't know, when you have um, non-people of colour clients or uh, what do you call patients, sorry, even how, however yeah. you refer to them. Um, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how, how do you think that's going to, uh, do, do you think it's a, uh, because arguably there are going to be people out there who don't appreciate that that whole yeah. seg there's a segment of there's, the way that I see it is that if they don't like it there are plenty more therapists mm. out there mm. um, I I am you know um, a British Asian Indian brown psychologist and I'm not shy of that no. you can't you can't help but see no, that right no, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not to say that I only see or support um, no, yeah. you know Asian people brown people yes but I serve them yes. in a sense of that I will offer them a culturally sensitive um, s service, I yes. guess, effectively. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to be blind to the fact that they're sat talking to me about, um, I don't know, being shunned out of the family mm. or how difficult it is to, I don't know... Um, live with in-laws or whatever, mm. you know, I want to explore those parts mm. that they bring mm. and feel safe enough to talk about those yeah. things. And I think one of the things that kind of almost um, spurred me to do this was that I've actually had people seek me out mm. because of my colour, mm. you know? So that, for me, feels really humbling. Yeah. Um, that there is there there are people who want to connect with other people, mm. you know that that have um, the training that I've mm. have trained in, a level of training, but also um, to connect to people and just bear and appreciate yes. what they've been through. Yep. Um, I'm sure that other you know um, other races or other other different types yeah, no, of definitely. therapists would do that. Definitely, yeah. But just having. Being representative yeah. of um, my community, my culture, mm. I think that's so important. Mm. You know, it's it's that kind of unapologetic kind of nature of that. You, it is what it is, and I think for for so long we've kind of.
tried to hide that because mm. they're it's that you know I, I think it's again I think it goes back to kind of being brought up in in, in this country is like you're you're supposed to, we're supposed to shut up and just say yes shut up and put yeah, up yeah yeah, yeah. and it's and mm. it's it's such a that in itself it's like you said earlier it all has a knock-on effect mm. all of this stuff that we're expected to do growing up mm shut up and just kind of accept what's going on don't fight back yeah. uh, otherwise you know you'll cause even more trouble and stuff like yeah. this is that has a knock-on effect especially when you're at such a young age yeah yeah and you're so trying what, to you rent you know effectively what you're saying is we are powerless yeah and this is unfortunately what racism mm. has mm. you know has has produced mm. is that we are the minority mm. we are the lesser power yeah. and actually we we need to change this for our children mm. and the next generations to say you know hang on a minute i'm just as equal as you are just because yeah. my skin color is different and yeah. i eat curry yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. um it doesn't make me any less than you are mm. and it's funny because i remember when i was growing up um <laughs> one of the things my dad would say is that you know stay in line or you otherwise you'll be kicked out of this country oh, geez, yeah <laughs> So I wonder how many people would relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> but that fear was instilled in me. Yeah. And, you know, I remember my, my dad would say, well, if you had to choose which country to go to, would, where would you go? Mm. And I didn't have an answer. <laughs> how scary is that to think as a, you know, seven, eight-year-old yeah. being told you could get kicked out of this country? Mm. But I know where that comes from now. Mm. You know, hearing my mom's story about being kicked out of her home country yeah. her home yeah. uganda mm. that it, you know is such a frightening experience mm. to think that what somewhere where you called home mm. they just kick you out just like that mm. like you're nothing mm. so this again is all part of how the fear the trauma mm. gets you know s distilled down yeah to, to, you know, somebody who's been brought up in the UK, yeah. you know, I think, oh, gosh, do I belong here? Actually, I don't belong here. They might kick me out in any second, which obviously yeah, now yeah. I know isn't true. But um, that fear was there for mm, them. Mm. And that's, that, I think, that's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a horrible thought. And, um, and I think it's, it's great that someone like you that is, it is our, you are kind of doing stuff like this, and I think our community definitely needs something like this. So, I mean, what I, what I would, uh, you know, my my final question would be, what would you say to someone kind of within our community, but not just it's not just within our community, just um, people across all communities. What would you say to them who was who's trying to approach something like therapy or uh, a counselling, but they're afraid of any kind of a stigma attached to it? I guess how would you kind of approach that, and what would you say to them? Oh, uh, so stigma. The the stigma is around, I guess, the idea of weakness. Yeah. 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 Um, but actually, to approach your fears, mm. that's courage. It mm -hmm. takes courage to approach Absolutely. the things that give you pain or you know make you feel rubbish. Yeah. Um, that takes courage, mm. and. That's the first thing that I would say to anybody who I actually I still say it to this day, you know, anybody who comes and sits and sees me, first thing I say to them is, you know what, you've done a really courageous yeah, it's a big act thing. Yeah. to yeah. come and sit here, pick up the phone for starters, um, and speak to me yeah. and say that you are struggling mm. and acknowledge that, that mm. this is a really difficult thing to do. Mm. 
Um, so for number one, acknowledge by acknowledging that you are struggling is a, is a strength yes. because it shows that you're self-aware. Yep. Secondly, to even consider thinking about asking for help mm. is courageous mm. because what you're doing is saying that I can't do this alone. And, mm. and yeah, there are many things we can't do alone. Mm. So acknowledge your bravery in all of it. Mm. Um, and when it comes to kind of seeking help, mm. um, it's, again, it's really personal. Yeah, yeah. There are so many different ways you can go out and get the help you need. What you need to think about is what type of person am I? Mm. You know, am I um, a person who wants to connect with other people? Mm -hmm. So is it some sort of community group yeah. type intervention that you need to look for? And it doesn't have to be talking therapy. No. This is mm. what I kind of was, you know, saying. Yeah. Um, but if it is talking therapy, you can go to your GP. Mm. That's kind of the most obvious way. Um, if you, you don't want your GP to be involved yep. with, with that, then that's fine too. Um, there are a number of directories out there that you can Google and kind of say, you know, find a therapist or counselling directory or the British Psychological Society. Um, again, you've got to look at what, you know, what fits your budget because yes. if you're going private, you're going to have to yeah, pay yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, or have a check to see if you are employed and your employer mm. has um, health insurance, mm. you know, if it's covered via that way. Um, so there's lots of different ways you can, can kind of find and fund yeah. therapy if that's what you want. What I would say to you is be really, really picky mm. about the person who you want to share your stuff with yeah. because... I say this, and I still feel this today, that I feel so privileged that I've been part of mm. really intimate stories about people, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and I say this to, to um, many of my clients that, you know, being sat in front of them is, it's powerful, mm. humbling experience yeah. that they chose me. Um, sometimes you have a choice, sometimes you don't. But when you do have a choice... Yep. Pick with somebody who you feel you connect to. Yep. And it doesn't have to be, you know, somebody of the same race or, or same colour or it doesn't have to be. Yes, yeah. But if that is something that is important to you, that mm. you feel that you need that, mm. then by all, by all means go and search for somebody yep. who you feel will um, appreciate and... Um, bear your pain yeah. because that's ultimately what we do yeah. we bear people's pain mm. and we help them safely navigate through it mm. to heal using talking yeah it sounds really kind of hippie but no, it, no, no, it, yeah. it kind of is what that's what we do well i think it's such a it's that's such an interesting way of putting it because i think again there's a, there's a perception we haven't really massively touched on this but there's a perception that your line of work if we can even call it that is um, it's, you know, it's almost a way of life. It's not even... It's such an important thing that you do that I think that there's a perception that you you are these kind of heartless figures that are just there to do a job. Does that make sense? Yeah. But in actuality, there's there's such a deeper level of of thought and and emotion that goes into it. Yeah. Um, and I think people often forget that, that it requires a lot of energy from your perspective yep. to try and I guess offer that empathy and try and, uh, and try to get them to understand that you are on their side yep. um, 
So I think that's a very big, that's a very big uh, thing that, um, that people often forget. And I think it's very important that people know that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my average day when I'm, when I'm kind of seeing clients mm. is um, I sit for mm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but I'm concentrating for six hours, mm. intently listening, mm. processing, mm. empathizing, mm. analyzing. Mm. That's six hours of... Yeah straight I don't have breaks I yeah. really have to try and concentrate and mm. think about what's going to be helpful for this yeah. client right now mm. and sometimes I'm just listening yeah. and bearing the, their painful stories that they yeah. talk about you know really traumatic stuff mm. sometimes and I ain't gonna lie sometimes it you know I come home and yeah. I just feel worn out yeah. and some of those stories stay with me mm. you know some of those things do haunt me yeah um but that still spurs me on to do what I do yeah. because, you know, I'm part. I'm I'm privileged to be part of that. Yeah. You know, part of that recovery or part of that yeah. healing process. And what I also say to a lot of people is that we are not, um, you know, kind of medics. We're not selling this idea that we are going to fix you. No, that's no. not how it works. Yeah. This is really about. Um, us collaborating mm. and working together to yeah. find a way to to heal Brilliant. you know to get you to a place that you feel better with excellent i like that it's really good um i mean it's, it's honestly been a privilege for for, for me to have you uh, on here i think it's um it's always nice to know that people like you exist in this world Aww. um and um you know it's it's, it's uh, i just just i said to you before we started recording i could talk to you about this stuff yeah, all day I know. Yeah. um but, you know, thank you. I mean, why do you tell people where they can find you and where you can where they can find out more about what you do? Yep, cool. So um, I'm on Instagram at The Brown Psychologist. Um, that's kind of probably the main way that you can get in touch. Follow my account. Um, if you want to email, it's hello at Therapy Sense. So I also run it, um, a kind of group practice um, based in Solihull, Birmingham. And we also do online therapy as well. So that's kind of like Skype type work as well. So different ways you can contact me. Fantastic. Thank you. Dr. Tina Mystery, the brown psychologist. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Uh, that was episode five of Being Brown. Um, I'm hoping to have Dr. Tina Mystery back on the show at some point in the future. So I hope you will join me for that. Always. Um, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Podbean. We're on all your favorite podcast apps. Go and find us. And please, if you enjoyed that, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can email us at bbrowner at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. I've been Gurren. <laughs>